Extraordinary. Luda. Innovative. Integrity. Honest. Courageous. Curious. Thoughtful. Brave. Unafraid. There is a place where technology and art meet, where work and play are one and the same. When the threads of curiosity are pulled in this place, the spark of innovation ripples across industries. Those who make this place their home are giants, titans who pursue creative passion while leaving their mark. Creative. Flexible. Brilliant. Clever. Confident. They are courageous thought leaders set on changing the practice of dentistry and their corner of the world. More than the sum of their parts, we deconstruct the traits that bind these uncommon innovators. Humble, daring, disciplined, playful, principled, spontaneous. To discover what makes them contrary to ordinary, where we explore the extraordinary. Hi there, I'm Dr. Kim Cooch, host and founder at Carry Free. I'm fascinated by what makes the paradigm shifters, world shakers, and art makers tick. Let's embark on a journey. Extraordinary is a place where ordinary people choose to exist. Together, we will trek the peaks of possibility, illuminate the depths of resilience, and navigate the boundless landscape of innovation. To discover how some of the most innovative dentists and thought leaders unlocked their potential and became extraordinary. On this season of Contrary to Ordinary, we explore the motivation, lives, and character of the innovators who see limitless potential around them. The people behind some of the largest paradigm shifts in the practice of dentistry. In this episode, I have a chance to look in the face of someone who is not only extraordinary, but who is also humble, grateful, and an inspiration to so many people. Today's guest, Dr. Bobby Birdie, is unique in so many ways. However, many know him for being one of North America's very few certified dual specialists in both periodontics and prosthodontics. He is an adjunct associate professor at the University of British Columbia and the University of Minnesota, where he is involved in multiple dental implant research projects and clinical trials. He also actively lectures both nationally and internationally in the fields of implant surgery and prosthetics. Bobby is also the co-founder of the Digital Dentistry Institute, which offers global training programs in 11 countries. It's clear from this amazing resume that Bobby is someone who is passionate about all things dentistry. You have to ask, how does he fit it all in? When people ask me that all the time, I just tell them I, I'm super efficient with my time. Uh-huh. I don't have a lot of time to lull and think about things so much. I make decisions pretty quickly and get to it. Uh, and I'm more about the work than I am about the result a lot of times because during the work is when you really learn, at least that I found, and you really get to it. I don't sleep that much, I guess. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it, it gets busy and uh, I just keep going and try not to waste time and and be efficient about it because, you know, like everybody else, you want to have your downtime. You want to enjoy yourself when you yeah. can. And and uh, to do that, for me, I've got to make sure that when I'm not doing that, that I put in the effort to make sure I can get those times. So I also get a sense you probably don't waste any time on social media at all. <laughs> I, you know what? I always tell people I'm lucky that I'm young enough, but old enough that I didn't have to do the big social media thing to get everyone to know who I was and everything else. I did it the old school way um, where you went to conferences and you met yeah, people and you yeah. spoke and they you published articles and they, they met you and they learned. So I'm not a big social media guy. I, I have all the social media. I get on there once in a while, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it. 
just because I, I just feel like there's lots of rehearsal, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, I still want to sit down and, and look someone in the eye and, and have a good conversation and see what they're about. And I feel like you still like everything else. You can really read what someone's about just by meeting them. Yeah. And you uh, know. it's really hard on social media. Tell me, Bobby, let's go back to your childhood. So what were you like as a kid? I was a, a nerd when I was a kid. When I was really young, I loved school and was one of those kids that get asked to skip grades and all that kind of stuff. And I begged my parents not to. And the reason being is that I didn't want to be that weird kid. I was pretty shy initially. And then I got really into sports. I was nominated for an athlete in high school class. And I really got into it real hardcore soccer and basketball and, uh-huh. and a ton of it. I was a jock. I was an athlete and I was lucky that I did well in school and that, that uh, school came easy for me. But uh-huh. I spent a lot of time being a sports guy and still am to this day. It, uh-huh. it drives me because I just enjoy it. So were you curious as a child? Would you say you were a curious or, or are you a curious person now? As my dad would say, I was a pain in the butt to raise because I would question everything and everyone, right? Why? Why? I want to know why. And so, you know, I think I was pretty obedient and respectful just being raised that way. But yeah, I was super curious. I always wanted to know. I always wanted to take something apart. I always wanted to figure something out. And and I didn't didn't like no for an answer very often, uh-huh. unless it was justified. I right. was happy to be reasonable, but you got to justify it to me. And if I saw holes in your argument, it was on. I was pretty curious. I always wanted to learn and know, and, and I really enjoyed that stuff going uh-huh. on. I have become a student of business. I, I go to Harvard uh, Business School doing a, this this amazing uh, business program that I got into a few years ago, which I really enjoy. I'm a student of religious history. I'm a student of sport. I, I, I really always like learning. And, and uh, I find that anything that I can learn that allows me to kind of understand why people are the way they are or, uh-huh. or why they act a certain way or, or just the history of things really intrigues me because it's interesting to me. I, I, I like understanding the, it's all about why. Right. And, and, and right. so by doing that, I, I end up having to learn a lot. Bobby has had a lifelong obsession with why. This little word and the use of it can tell you a lot about someone, I think. In his book, Why, What Makes Us Curious, Mario Livio suggests that collective human progress often hinges on the why. Exploring why leads to purpose and allows you to take curious people with you. Overall, it makes evolutionary sense for us to ask why. I wonder, did a curious young Bobby start out wanting to be a dentist? I really wanted to be a medical doctor, uh-huh. uh, and uh, since I was a, like a young kid and young lad, and when I was in in uh, undergrad, I used to take uh, like I used to teach the actually the MCAT prep courses and took the MCAT and, and did really really well, and uh, you know I was going to apply to medical school, but. What I ended up doing is I spent time volunteering at a hospital. Uh-huh. And uh, when I volunteered at the hospital, I I just really didn't like it. Like uh-huh. I really started hating, even to this day, I don't enjoy hospitals. I feel like that's where the sick people live and I don't want to go there. And right. so I, I was pretty lost and I didn't know. And I actually applied to dental school because a good friend of mine in, in undergrad, was a, his dad was a pediatric dentist. Uh-huh. And I didn't know anything about dentistry growing up or anything. And he just said, yeah, you know, they prescribe drugs like medical doctors do. And I said, oh, that sounds pretty close. And all right, I'll figure it out and try it out. That's honestly how I applied. I had no prior knowledge and no idea about no what No background. Was, you're, you're not a legacy. No, you're, nothing. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I think I'm the only dentist in my close family. Yeah. Yeah. 
When it comes to mentors, I think that I had a lot of them. I think my, my dad was a big mentor for me. I think uh, just taught me about how to be a good person, try uh -huh. to be grateful for the things you receive and the, think the opportunities you get, don't squander them, but uh -huh. just be grateful, you know? And as I got into to dental school and, and became a, you know, a dentist and got into residency, I think the directors of my programs were big mentors for me and, and co-residents. I'd learned so much from my co-residents, more than probably some of the directors in my programs, because of just you, you just absorb so much from ladies and gentlemen that are similar ages are going through stuff you're going Yeah, through. they're just slightly ahead of you, and exactly. they're going through the same thing you're yeah. about to go through. And Absolutely. The mentorship thing out of that aspect has really decreased lately, and I feel like it's because maybe we... You know, people don't want to be mentored as much as they wanted to be before because the, being mentored means that you got to be willing to be judged and, and vulnerable yeah. and being judged and be vulnerable just doesn't seem to be ringing with a lot of the people lately I, I find is that you got to be willing to take your lumps. And to be open to criticism, even constructive criticism, because sometimes it doesn't feel good, but we learn so much from that. Absolutely. I will tell you that's the biggest thing I noticed from teaching residents and teaching young people now is that the ability for constructive criticism and being receptive to that, I think is quite different than it's been even 10 years ago. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I had uh, one of my mentors, Edwina Kidd from the UK, and she volunteered to peer review the papers that I wrote, right? Mm -hmm. Before I sent them in for peer review. And I remember the first couple of papers I sent to her and she sent them back and she was brutal, <laughs> right? And I was crushed the first time I got one back because I thought I'd written a pretty good paper and I got it back and she ripped it apart. And so then I got a hold of her and I said, well, what's wrong with it? You know, and how mm -hmm. do I make it better? How sure. do I strengthen it? And by the end, I understood that here's somebody who really knows their stuff. And my papers were so much stronger after she went through them and, and gave me some guidance and then it got to the point where I look forward to getting that feedback back. And I think that helped me overcome some of that. But now it's like, if there's holes in it, if there's something wrong, tell me, because I want to know. If there's some research out there that I'm not aware of, share it with me, because I got to know. Absolutely. For me, uh, and being mentored and, and, and being open is that you have to be open to criticism, but you also have to keep an open mind to be able to learn new things uh -huh. and challenge the beliefs you had before. Because I'll tell you, that's the biggest thing that I find as I progress more and more in the industry and, and, and do more and more, you know, test more things and get right. more and more innovative along the way is that it has to do with just people's comfort levels and being able to be open to growth and challenging some of the things that you've been maybe doing for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. And guess what? We found a better way to do it and you got to be open and, to it. And maybe here's a new innovation or technology that dramatically improves our outcomes, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you got to be open-minded to that. I, I always think that the people that I always remember in the industry are the people that don't just diminish a new idea. And the reason being is because, you know, we might think that the world is flat. Right. You know, and it, you know what? I thought the world was flat. My dad thought the world was flat. My grandfather, yeah. my great-grandfather. The world's I, flat. The world's flat. Yeah. But, you know, you've showed me that it's not flat and it's round. Well, gosh, I, I have to consider that. Right. And so that's one of the things that I find that is, is the most difficult part is to get people to, they don't have to necessarily listen and believe what I'm trying to do, but it's more a matter of being open to maybe the idea because a lot of the times that we have to understand is that sometimes innovation is done for industry, right. but in most times innovation is done to benefit either the clinician or the patient or both. And so if there's anything about the innovation that is, like I said, part of it might be right, but if anything about it, it could possibly benefit you or benefit right. the patient right. or both of you, right. you got to listen. If you're going to be 
in a profession that's there to help people. Then your goal, in, in my opinion, is to help them to the best way possible, the best of your ability, the best ability of what's available in the world today. Yeah. And that means that with continued innovation, if there's a place for it and if it's going to benefit them more, things can be more efficient, things can be less invasive, so on and so forth, they owe it to them. So let me ask you this question. So just looking at your career, mm -hmm. what's an accomplishment that, at this point in your life that you're most proud of professionally? I would say that being a, a little kid from a small town in Canada and uh -huh. then and going out, I, I think one of the things that I'm really, really proud of is the fact that, you know, I still get asked to go and speak all over the place. And I'm still one of the youngest guys out there on that podium with a lot of the people that I call titans or, or the people that I quote a hundred times in my lectures or the people that I looked up to to so many years. Uh -huh. and, and instead of them being Dr. So-and-so, now they talk to me by first name and we collaborate. I think for me that is something that I, I hold really dear to my heart because it means that, first of all, you know, you're, you're always trying to see if you're good enough. So I feel right. like in some aspects I can be good enough at times. But more than anything else, I think that part is a big accomplishment for me in the sense that just having validity and being able to be part of the quote-unquote circle of everyone, uh -huh. and, but also being able to have some kind of clout or things in practice and things in academia and accomplishments and awards and presentations, they all go everywhere, but being part of the whole system of innovation and, and, and growth and progression and being a respected part about that. I think that's my f biggest comp accomplishment, something that I, I look forward to all the time. Uh-huh. Do you ever just stop and look back on your life and just go, wow, how'd, I, how'd that all happen? Am I really here? How'd that all happen? Well, I, I do that a lot because I, I heard a quote that uh, someone once told me that says people underestimate what they're going to do in a decade, but overestimate what they think they'll accomplish in a year. I couldn't agree more. I look back the last 10 years and uh -huh. I would say, I can't believe all the things that I've gotten the opportunity to do and, and the things that I've gotten to have a hand in and then be part of and, and collaborate with and travel and so on and so forth. It's it's pretty awesome. I always tell my, my mom and dad, I can't look back at my last 10 years of my life and say it was boring. Yeah, I actually... Yeah gotten out and did stuff and, and I've been around running around and, and being busier than probably I should be but I'm definitely doing what uh, I always feel to do is I'm um, I'm wringing out the washcloth of every day I'm trying to get uh -huh. every last little bit of experience out of every day because really that's what I live for I live for experiences I don't really that, that's what I enjoy the most is the experiences because those are the things that really shape you and those are the things I remember yeah yeah for sure and what I hear from you too is just a real sense of of gratefulness, mm -hmm. you know, of, how, of just being grateful to have the opportunity, being that kid from Canada in a small town, and suddenly you're on the world stage teaching people about implants. And, the not, and of course, you put in your 10,000 hours, <laughs> right, <laughs> to become an expert in that arena. But And so you certainly deserve that. But it, it's still, I, what I hear from you really is just how grateful you are to, to just be here. Absolutely. I, I, it's... Um it's still always flattering to get asked to be on a podcast with Kim Cooch. <laughs> <laughs> Gratefulness comes up time after time in Bobby's story. He comes from humble beginnings and strikes me as someone who is very good at living in the moment, filled up with the joy of what he has. I worry sometimes that the pace of modern life and the often cold and impersonal nature of our online lives distracts us from living in the moment. It's good to see that someone as awesome as Bobby seems to be able to be mindful in this crazy world. Bobby is young and has so much life ahead of him. He has a lot to be excited about in his future.
I would say when it comes to dentistry, what gets me the most excited is when uh, we're going to do something new and uh-huh. innovative that we don't just jump on every single thing that comes out in the market. We spend a lot of time as a team in our practices with people that are so smart and so talented to really like hone it and say, this is make sense. Okay. How is this better? How is this not better? And we, well, there's a lot of things we say, well, this doesn't make any sense. We can't see the reason for it. Move on. Right. right. Whereas when it comes to the reasons of, if we see something that is going to be really new and really innovative and really could be disruptive, that's when we get the most excited because if we can do something and show that it's, it's possible. And if it's possible, not everyone has to do it, but if it's possible, that basically means that it's possible for others at some point. In terms of life, I think I get the most excited just hanging out with my kids. Uh-huh. So I have three kids. Uh, I have an 11-year-old and uh, eight-year-old boy, and then two boys, and then I have a daughter. She's five. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, they are the loves of my life. I, I have so much fun spending time with them, and they are just the best. And they bring just massive amounts of joy to your life like nothing else. Those are fun ages. Mm-hmm. I really hear, again, this gratefulness is a real theme in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important value to me. I look at my life and I always think, if I feel one thing, I feel fortunate and I feel really grateful Mm -hmm. for all the opportunities and everything that I've had in my life. But I hear that that's kind of a, it's a life theme for you. And it sounds like it came from your dad. My parents are both immigrants that immigrated to to Canada in the 70s. And they came over with, uh, got nothing for the education. So my dad worked steel for 30, 40 years. And my mom worked at the bank for the same amount of time. And we didn't grow up with lots of money. We couldn't afford flights growing up. We did a lot of road trips. And uh-huh. um, my mom and dad, they probably wore the same pair of jeans for 25 years and, and didn't really buy much for themselves. And But we didn't want for much. We had a great upbringing. I, I don't look back thinking I missed out on anything. And I remember the biggest thing was my parents, the, the, that's one thing they were always unified on is just you got to be grateful for what you get because, you know, there's lots of people in this world that don't get the opportunities you have and don't get the abilities and the things that you get to receive. And and the more you travel the world, you realize how oh. absolutely true that is. Oh, so how fortunate and, we are. And so when you're fortunate, yeah. you, you need to make sure you bask in that. You got to be grateful. You try to give, you try to be helpful to others and just pass it on and pass it forward and and uh, and do your best because it's the entitlement that I am trying so desperately to avoid in my children because I don't want them to feel entitled to anything because truthfully none of us are entitled to anything on this earth exactly. you got to earn what you keep you got to oh. get to it and you got to be grateful for things along the way hi contrary to ordinary listeners we're going to take a short break from this conversation for our segment questions with Dr. Kim. Don't go anywhere. In this segment, I'll answer a listener's question about their dental health. If you have a dental question you want answered, then send it to podcast at carryfree.com. That's C-A-R-I-F-R-E-E.com and add questions with Dr. Kim in the subject line. If your question gets read out on the show, then we'll send you a small gift to say thanks for checking in. This week's question reads, Hi, Dr. Kim. I think this is a bit of a silly question. I want to know, why is it so hard to floss regularly? It doesn't take long, so why am I having so much trouble building it into my routine? Well, thanks so much for writing in, and remember, there's no such thing as a silly question here. It's important to remember that all new habits are hard to establish. 
Studies indicate realistically it takes up to nine months with daily reminders to establish a sustainable new habit. For a new habit like flossing, many people find it helpful to tie it to another habit so that it triggers you to floss. For example, if you shower every morning, start flossing while you're waiting for the water to warm up. Turn on the shower and that's the trigger to pick up the floss. By the time you're done flossing, the shower will be hot. You can also post reminder notes on the bathroom mirror or set a daily reminder on your smartphone. Another good option is standard floss or water flossers. They can be used in the shower as part of your daily routine or at the sink. But whether you choose manual floss or a water flosser, once you get into the habit of flossing, your teeth will never feel clean again unless you floss. And your gums will thank you. Thanks so much for this question. And if you, dear listener, would like more information on all things dental, then head to carryfree.com, that's C-A-R-I-F-R-E-E.com, where we've got more resources on dental health and our line of carry-free products that can help you keep a healthy smile. But right now, let's get back to the conversation. When you think of somebody in your life who's been extraordinary, what kind of things do you think about them in terms of traits or values or character that stand out? I think that um, the most extraordinary people in my life have been people that are givers. And what I mean by that is that not everyone is a pure giver or a pure taker. Like there's right. a, you're a little bit more than one or the other, or maybe in certain instances. But the people that have been the most influential in my life have been the ones that are uh, more selfless than selfish and uh-huh. are givers. The people that want to give of themselves to benefit you for no other reason because they get joy out of the fact that you get benefited. Right. And so being a giver is something that I, and that I try to teach my kids too, is that, that when it comes to the extraordinary people in my life, that's what they've been like. And I've been so fortunate to meet people in the industry and, and in life from all walks of the earth, young and old, and from different backgrounds from all over the world that that have been givers. And I can't uh, st- stress this enough that it's it's not something that you learn. It's something that you are. And and, right. I, and that's how I feel about it because it's really easy for us to just get ours. I get mine and I'm done. It's another to say, well, I did it. So let me help somebody else do that too because that's how it is. That's why I feel so grateful and fortunate is because I couldn't have gotten where I am if it wasn't for other people. The Ron Zokels, the Peter Munns, the Bill Blatchfords of the world, the people right. that have helped me along the way as well. Yeah. If it wasn't for their help, their aid, their good words, their advice... I wouldn't be here. And so it's one of those things where I find that the most uh, influential people in my life or the biggest mentors I've had have been the ones that are willing to give them themselves uh-huh. for no other reason than just to do it. The people that I've met in my life and been lucky enough to, to meet that are extraordinary, the ones that you remember because they are the way they are, but also they just got that extra gear. They got that mm-hmm. extra gear that, that they just sets them apart. Who inspires me the most right now at the moment? Probably my five-year-old daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason why is she doesn't understand everything, but she calls me out on a whole bunch. <laughs> you know, I think I, I was leaving to Oregon to speak and she's like, when are you leaving? On Friday. When are you going to be home? Sunday. Just question after question. Okay, are you sure? Do you have to go again? This is the only time. Okay, right. fine. Okay, fine. And it's almost like I have a gatekeeper now, which I actually really, really love. Right. But she inspires me all the time. Every single time now that I, I'm going to leave to go do something, I think twice about it because I won't get to see her face that day. Right. But she inspires me um, to be, you know, a, a, just a better person, a, a uh-huh. good man, a, a great father if I can be. And more than anything else, just try to just be better. 
The honesty of children is something truly special. As we grow and become aware of social convention, we lose that refreshing bluntness that a lot of children have. Sometimes they ask you a question that you really needed to hear, one that you would never ever hear from an adult. I think there's something quite beautiful about it. So with his kids guiding him, what does Bobby want out of his career in his future? I want to continue to enjoy the profession and enjoy what I'm doing as I go forward. There's lots of aspects of dentistry. There's the business side of it. There's the clinical side of it. There's so much to, to be involved in dentistry that there's so many things that I want to be a part of. And, and I just want to continue to make change. I think that's the biggest thing. If I can continue to influence and continue to, to try to push the envelope and innovate and make change, I have this calculation in my mind that it says that, you know what, the first iOS scanner came out decades ago. Uh -huh. And now when I ask people how many people have an iOS scanner in their office, right? You know, I get a good number of hands. You know, the, a community CT scan, it used to be like one, only the specialists or one or two people in the audience. This time, like today, even in Portland, Oregon, I, I asked them, I had like a third of the room and I was like, wow, it's happening. And it's slow moving and slow progressing, but it slowly happens. Yeah. It just takes time. One of the other traits I identify in extraordinary people is courage. Hmm. Like stepping out, st standing in front, you know, leading the way, pushing the envelope, mm -hmm. um, innovating, disrupting, doing what you're doing takes a lot, takes a tremendous amount of courage. I learn way more from failures than I do from anything else. When people are really open and honest and say, hey, listen, like, this is not perfect. And I'll tell you, how often do I get something perfect? I don't get something perfect 90% of the time. I'm sorry. It just, that's not how life works. That's not real. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one of those things where I try to be as real as possible up there. And, and I do really try to make sure that people don't get into things that they shouldn't be, not for any other reason than the fact that I just don't want them to have to deal with the repercussions of the problems right, of right. it. And so I, I, I teach everyone everything. I teach yeah. everyone to do anything, but just you got to take it slow. And so you have the right expectations. And so the patient has the right expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, okay, I can do that, but this might be our result and you mm -hmm. might not be happy with it. Then if you're still willing to go ahead, then you're taking the risk. It's not on me. It's, it's kind of on them, right? And I think that takes a certain level of integrity as well. It's really easy to cherry pick all your best cases, oh, yeah. always show the best ones, always show the ones that have no problems and are perfect. And sometimes uh, on a podium, I'll show one or two of those cases because uh -huh. we're supposed to show those cases. Right. But I don't show those cases all the time because it's not real life. It's actually yeah. like social media. It's not real life. When I had a case that went perfect, I didn't learn anything. No. But it's the cases that failed or didn't turn out as well as I wanted them to that I learned something. I'm dual trained in, in uh -huh. two specialties, surgically and prosthetically. This is very little that I don't know how to do in the mouth clinically in those two fields. And in our office, people get a flat fee. It's my job to get you to the end. And if there's complications along the way, we take it as long as they were obedient and they were going about things. So there's at least every year there's one case. There's one case where I've done everything humanly possible. I have done three or four surgeries for free. Like I've done everything and it just, it just won't work. Right. It just won't get to be perfect or it won't right. get to be where right. we want to be. And I learned a lot from those cases. I learned a lot from those cases. I learned to be humble. One thing I will say is that I've learned is that it doesn't matter how standardized you are as a clinician or how much of a robot you become. People are people. 
And biology is always going to win, whether you like it or not. Biology always wins. It always does. Right? No matter how good you are as a surgeon or what you know or anything else, at the end of the day, biology wins. What do you think the secret to happiness is? I think the secret to happiness is two things. One, finding purpose and passion. Uh -huh. And finding purpose and passion doesn't always have to be your career. It can be, like for me, it's my kids, or maybe it's a sport or a hobby. Or Finding purpose and passion, I think, really, really makes you happy. And I think the other thing that really makes me happy is just having connection with people. And what I mean by that is connection with people, like, like yes, of course, our family and friends and our loved ones, but I get a lot of joy out of meeting patients and meeting people uh -huh. on a day-to-day -day basis. And I remember during COVID when we were shut down for two months oh, yeah. and then I realized I miss my staff and I miss my team so much. And I, I miss them during the Christmas holidays, you know, we're off right. for two weeks and yep. I, I know now I have a get together halfway through so we could all sit together and have a beer or something because I, I love going to work. I spend my time with my, my team. I love spending time with them, but in general, I miss people. Like you don't have to be a dentist or a practitioner, but in general, having connection with people on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's at work or whether it's with the hobby or whatever else you're doing, some sort of a club, or maybe it's a religious thing. I don't know. But in general, I think having connections with people on a day-to-day -day basis, that really makes me happy. I know that during the pandemic, just missing that human connection during that period for me was... I. At the end of it, like after a couple of months, I'm like, we're not wired to do this. No. I felt like I was on a desert island. I can't imagine what it must have been like for those people in the world who were locked down for longer. I think most of us need company. It's really not a luxury we can afford to lose. We've talked a lot about Bobby the dentist and Bobby the dad. I like to hear what Bobby does for fun. I'm a big uh, football fan and, and uh -huh. hockey fan and basketball fan, so I spend a lot of time watching sports and, uh -huh. and, and doing that. Uh, I'm a pretty big scotch and beer connoisseur, so you know I, I like I like having a beverage. Uh, I play sports and I, I'm in the gym quite a bit. I used to compete in bodybuilding back in the day, and so I, I do a lot of that. And and besides that, you know, like everybody else, I love to travel. I love new experiences. That's what really drives me. I have a lot of fun just experiencing new things. And then I, I spend a lot of time with my kids. I, I have yeah. a lot of fun with them. And I just like dragging them along in my journey. Wherever I'm going, I just try uh -huh. to take them with me and drag them along so they get to enjoy it too. Because I have, I always have a better time when they're around. I love your passion and your energy and, and your values. Like I said, when I started this interview today, I'm sitting here and looking at the face of Extraordinary. No, oh, I appreciate so, that. Well, so I really appreciate you spending time with me here. Perfect. Bobby is such a great guy. I hope you can feel his warmth and kindness in our conversation today. He's someone that is incredibly accomplished, but manages to stay so down to earth. Thank you so much to Bobby Birdie for everything you do. And thank you for coming along on this journey with me today. Around here, we aim to inspire and create connections. We can't do it without you. If this conversation moved you, made you smile, or scratch that little itch of curiosity today, please share it with the extraordinary people in your life. And if you do one thing today, let it be extraordinary. Extraordinary.